Father God, thank you so much that you are our God. And Lord Jesus, thank you that you are with us. Thank you for your promise to us, Lord, that that those who obey your commandments, those who love you, you would show yourself to. Lord, thank you that you have opened our eyes to see you. Lord, in the pages of the Bible, and as your Spirit confirms in our hearts that, that you are Lord, Thank you for the gift of the Spirit, Lord, on this day as we remember the first coming of the Spirit, Lord, and at first Pentecost we, we think back and we say, thank you, Jesus, that, that you have not left us as orphans. Thank you that you are still God. Thank you that we do not have to, to just, I don't know, just... just think back on history, but that you still come and you make that history part of our story by sending your spirit into our lives. Lord, for those who, who perhaps don't know that, I, I pray that, that they would. Lord, for those of us who have known you for a long time, I pray that we would come to know you better. Lord, I, I just think of the men in the story, the passage today, who who you turned around to and said, I've known you so long and you still don't know me. And Lord, we, we know you, but, but we know only a fraction of who you are. And so we ask this morning, as every day, that you would show more of yourself to us and show us more of the Father by showing us yourself. Holy Spirit, please open our eyes to see Jesus. Open our ears to hear his words. Open our our hearts that we might do what he says, Lord, that we might hear his commands and take them to heart and, and live out for Jesus and for your glory, Father. Just as Jesus lived for your glory, we, we ask that we as a church and we as individuals would live for your glory. And I ask that right now, Lord, that you would help us to, to listen, to concentrate, to ask the questions. Lord, I pray that we would be like Thomas who who, who ask the difficult questions. Lord, I, I pray even that you would, by your Spirit, take the words that I'm about to speak and the lips that are about to move and the ears that are about to waggle and, and listen, Lord, I pray that you would be involved in everything there. And Lord, may, may you just bring Jesus to the forefront of our vision and our minds right now. Speak through me, I pray, Father by your Spirit, for Jesus. Amen. Um, there's a question on the front of your bulletin. Is Jesus God? This, this is, we're going to spend two weeks looking at the person of Jesus, and, and this week we're looking at, is Jesus God? And next week we're going to look and say, well, what does it mean for Jesus to be human? Um, how does that all come together? Um, is Jesus God? Let's just see who says Jesus is God. Okay, thank you, Pam. If you could just lead us in the next song. <laughs> it's kind of one of those questions you say, well, what are you doing in church if you don't think, well, hopefully, because you want to find out. Is Jesus God? Pam said to me as we were starting practice, she just said, oh, by the way, Nick, the answer to your question is yes. I said, thank you, Pam. And then I said, but you need to read what I wrote on the inside of the bulletin. And there I said, today we ask a very important question, is Jesus God? 
As Christians, we give a resounding yes to that. Sorry for the spoiler. But if someone were to ask you why you believe Jesus is God, what would you say? What would you say if somebody came to you and said, how do you know that Jesus is God? It's one of those things that sets the Christian church apart from everyone else. If you go to the Jews and you say, Jesus is God, they will strike you as a blasphemer. They killed Jesus for for His claiming to be God. If you go to the Muslims, they will say to you, oh, no, 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 no. God is one. Allah is one. And Jesus was a prophet of Allah, just like Muhammad was a prophet of Allah. If you go to the Jehovah's Witnesses, they'll say, oh, no, 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 no. You don't understand. Jesus is a God and actually is an angel. What? I can't go through all the religions. They all go and say, Jesus is not God. this This is the foundation of our faith. If Jesus is not God, then you and I are wasting our time. We should get up, go home, and get alive. I mean, the, the church is born out of saying that Jesus is Emmanuel. That Jesus is God with us. And and the New Testament writers and the disciples and the apostles, they they came with this very clear idea that in Jesus Christ we encounter Yahweh, God Himself, the God of the Old Testament in human form we find in Jesus. And if He is... He is, if he is, that means that he is the most important person to know in the whole wide world. If he isn't God, this is the most important question in all of human history. One of the most important questions. The second most important question is, what are we going to do with the answer? And it's a question that was actually already being asked during the time that Jesus was walking the earth. Who is this man? Just quickly flip over with me uh, to Matthew chapter 16, verse 13. Have a look what it says here. Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, and he asked his disciples... Well, who, do you, who do people say that the Son of Man is? Who do, who do the crowd say that I am? And the disciples replied, well, some say you're John the Baptist, which is strange because Jesus and John the Baptist were running around at the same time, so I don't know how they got that one. Some say you're John the Baptist, who by this time was dead. Others say Elijah, the great prophet of the Old Testament. Still others say you're Jeremiah, the moaning prophet of the Old Testament, um, uh, or maybe just one of the other prophets. What about you, Jesus asked. Who do you say I am? And Simon Peter answers, you are the Christ. You are the son of the living God. And Jesus says, wow, you are so blessed. You are so happy, Simon. You are blessed 
incredibly because this, this isn't something that's come to you by, by anyone except God my Father. He has shown you who I am. But, but this is the question. And we get from this, this answer that they give before Simon Peter's answer, you get that there's talk around the water cooler. Oh, no, no, I, I reckon he's Jeremiah come back. Oh, no, no, he's a bit like Elijah, isn't he? Elijah went up to heaven and he's come. And people were wondering, who is he? Who is this man? Is he the Messiah? Even more importantly, is he God? Is he God? Well, a few people have come up with, with some options for us to prove that Jesus is God. So let's just go through a couple of these options um, and, and we'll just see whether they can maybe prove once and for all dead cert that, that Jesus is God. First option, Jesus never sinned. Think about it. The New Testament writers are pretty clear. Jesus never sinned. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 15. Chapter 4 speaking about Jesus, our great high priest who has gone before us and he stands and intercedes for us. Love the book of Hebrews. Hebrews 4.15 says, This high priest uh, of ours understands our weaknesses. He, he was a human. He faced all the same testings we do, yet he did not sin, says Hebrews. Chapter one um, of one, Pe sorry, chapter two of one Peter, verse twenty-one to twenty-three says this: Through him you believe in God, who raised him from the dead. Through Jesus, who, God who raised Jesus from the dead and glorified Jesus, and so your faith and hope are in God. And now you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for your brothers, love one another deeply from the heart. Uh, for you have been born again, not of, not of perishable seed, but the imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. Through him you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him. And so your hope and faith are in God. That doesn't look like the right verse, does it? Great verse, but it's not the right verse. Bear with me one second. Here we go. It's chapter 2 of Peter. I read chapter 1. Uh, verse 21. To this you were called, because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin. No deceit was found in his mouth. And when they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. And instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in the body on the tree so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds, we have been healed. And if you read around uh, 1 Peter chapter 2, 21 you'll see that Peter is holding up Jesus' sinlessness as a model for us. He's saying Jesus has done all of this and, and now live like Jesus. Jesus himself knew that he was sinless. Ha have a listen to what Jesus says. Um, John chapter 8, verse 46, the crowds are 
having a go at Jesus, and Jesus turns around to them and says, which of you can truthfully accuse me of sin? And since I'm telling the truth, why don't you believe me? Jesus himself said, I have not sinned. Does that mean that Jesus is God? Well, first off, we have to say, if, if we're looking at this purely from a historical, objective manner, when Jesus was walking around, the claim that he was sinless was not one that went uncontested. In fact, the Jewish leaders were pretty convinced that Jesus was a rotter. That he, I mean, look at him, he hung out with the dregs of society. No righteous person would do that. He flaunted the traditions of the community. He healed on the Sabbath, for goodness sake. What sort of a righteous man would do that, they said. And, and, and said the Jewish people, here is a man who is guilty of blasphemy. Not only can he not say he is sinless, he is sinful because he claims to be God. I do believe, by the way, that Jesus is sinless. I hope you do too. The Bible says it, but, but you know what? To say that Jesus is sinless is a statement of faith. It's a statement of trust. Because if you look back in the historical records, there are people who say he wasn't and there are people who say he was. It's who are you going to trust? In fact, it only really becomes absolutely trustworthy, I think, because of Easter and because of the resurrection. But, you know, let's just say we can prove that Jesus lived the sinless life. He did. But let's say we could prove it historically. Does that make Jesus God? Absolutely not. Yes, it, it happens to be that if Jesus is God, then Jesus must be sinless. But being sinless is not the same as being God. You know, one of, one of the songs we sang spoke about Jesus being our great hope of glory. And, and the great hope of glory is that one day we will be made to be like Jesus and we will share in His glory and we will be sinless people. That doesn't mean that one day when we are sinless that all of a sudden we become God. We just become sinless people. We can't prove that Jesus is God just because He lived the perfect life. Can't prove that Jesus is God. But you know, it does give us cause to think about Jesus because nobody else can honestly claim to have lived a sinless life this side of eternity. That's the first option. Jesus never sinned doesn't prove that he's God, but it does give us maybe a hint. Maybe there's another option. We have the cross standing at the front of the church every week as we remember Jesus' death. Doesn't Jesus dying prove that he is God? Doesn't Matthew have the, the soldier standing at the cross, the centurion looking up and saying, surely that man was the Son of God? as he saw how he died. But again, to say that Jesus is God because of how he died is a statement of faith. 
I mean, you could view Jesus' death as the death of a well-meaning popular hero. Or you could argue, if you don't know that he's God, you could say that it's a, the self-induced, I got this from a book somewhere, I don't know where, the self-induced demise of a deluded idealist. If you just look at it historically, here's a good man and he dies. That does not prove that he is God. Jesus dying proves that Jesus died. And you know what? Jesus dying is an incredible thing, and it's so important for the Christian faith that Jesus died. But, but the importance of Jesus dying comes from the statement of faith that we say Jesus is God, and Jesus, who is God, died. You see, we, we can't put the cart before the horse. We first have to believe that Jesus is God before the cross becomes important. And then we come to the third option. And, and I think now we're starting to get really close. How can we say that Jesus is God? Well, because He said so. John chapter 14 is just, as I said, one of my, I love the book of John, and I love John chapter 14. Jesus, throughout the Gospels, made these incredible claims about himself. And we've got to realize that people knew what he was claiming. He was put to death for blasphemy. He was put to death on the cross because people knew that he was claiming to be equal with God. I mean, what, what did he do? He went around forgiving sins. He acted like he was God. He spoke about judging the world. He accepted worship. And Jesus turns in John chapter 14, verse 1, and it's just in the upper room, and he's about to go and be betrayed. Just as an aside, I love the person of Jesus because he is on the way to the most horrible, horrible death. And he turns to his disciples and he says, Now let me comfort you. Isn't that just incredible? He's the one who's going to have the sins of the world thrown on, me, on him. And he, he turns and, and he encourages and comforts his disciples. And he says in verse 1 over there, Don't let your hearts be troubled. Don't, don't keep being troubled. Keep on trusting in God and trust in me. He's saying, if God the Father is worthy of trust, then so am I. And it was fairly normal in that, in that world for, for Jews to think of God as, as the Father. But, but Jesus goes, goes further and He speaks about God being His Father. And Jesus has got, He says, this incredible relationship with God that, that He says it's not just that God is some distant 
ooh, father figure in a symbolic sense. He says, no, I'm going to go and I'm going to go to dad's place and I'm going to get it ready for you guys because I'm that kind of son. It's, it's my place as well. It's my house. And so I can go and I can get it ready for you guys. And one day I'm going to bring you around and it's going to be fantastic. Yeah, th- this, is, this is Jesus saying, I have authority over the stuff that is in the Father's house. This is a huge claim that Jesus is making. He's saying that He is the true Son of the Father. It's not just a symbolic God, the Father. It's a God, my Father. And He goes on in chapter 14, verse 6, and He says... Um, what does he say there to Thomas's good question, as Pam told us? He says, I am the way, and I am the truth, and I am the life, and no one comes to the Father except by me. It's a big claim. He's saying, I'm the only way to the Father. I am God, come to you. And, and, and we've got to realize that, that in terms of who God is, there is absolutely no way for any person ever to reach God. Um, God is so totally other to us. One of those incredible passages from Ecclesiastes chapter 3 is where it says that God has placed a sense of eternity in our hearts. Just the sense that, that there is more, that, that there is eternity, that this, this life and this earth and this temporality is not, is not everything. And yet, the, the horrible thing about Ecclesiastes, which, which is just a book which goes, ah! What do we do? We got the sense and life is meaningless. Ecclesiastes is struggling with this problem of, of knowing that there's something, that there's someone, and, and yet not being able to do anything about it ourselves. Of being unable to reach and touch God. We have a sense of eternity, but we can't force our presence on eternity. We can't get there by ourselves. We need someone to show God to us. We, we need God to come to us. And Jesus is saying, I am the way to get to God. I am I'm God with us. Because actually it's impossible for humans to get to God. Because God is there. But, 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 but God can come to us. And when He comes, He can bring us back to Himself. Do you see what Jesus says? I'm going to go make a place for you, and it's going to be fantastic. And do you know what the really good thing is? I'm coming back, and I'm going to take you home. Isn't that exciting? Oh, verse 7, though. If Thomas had really known Jesus, he would know his Father. Three years... And Thomas has Jesus look him in the eye and say, Thomas, haven't you known me? Does it again to Philip and says, Philip. Jesus says there in, in verse 7 that if we want to know what God is like, then we just have to look at Jesus. If we know Jesus, then we know God. If we know God, then we know Jesus. You can't know God any better than knowing Jesus. Philip pipes up and says, well, show us the Father. 
Totally missing the point, old Philip. I like Philip. Show us the Father and we'll be satisfied. Just, just give us some proof that you're God. Just, just give us some proof and, and we'll be happy. Show us the Father. I like Philip because I think he's very much like us. I just want some more, God. I, I, just, want, I just want to see a little bit more of you and then I'll be happy. I just want to experience a little bit more of you and then I'll be okay. I, I just want a little bit more proof that you really are God and then it'll be all okay. I just want to, I just want to actually see Jesus. Tom's got to see him. How come I can't? Jesus is answering verse 9. It's not, a, it's not a slap on the wrist. It's a, I think it's a sadness to Jesus' reply. He says, Don't you know me, Philip, after I've been with you all this time, such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. If we know Jesus, we know the Father. Um, to have seen Jesus was to have seen the Father. Um, you can't know God better than knowing Jesus. Yeah, but, but we weren't there, were we? Well, that's verses 15 to 20. Actually, to the end of the chapter where Jesus says, you know what, I'm going to go, but I'm going to send another advocate. I'm going to send myself. And you, and you know what, there's not just going to be another one. I'm going to be there through the Spirit. who brings to mind everything that Jesus has taught and reminds us of everything. And we can get to know Jesus as we read through the Bible, as we, as we experience Him, as we experience Him in the life of the church, as, as the Spirit prompts us, as, as we read and we just get that sense of, wow, yeah. Jesus is quite clear that, that He is in the Father and that the Father is in Jesus he says so in verse 10. I'm in the Father. The Father is in me. You can't have the Father without Jesus. You can't have God without Jesus. And you can't have Jesus without God. Says Jesus. The Father works through Jesus. Um, and that bit where it says in verse 10 that the words that Jesus speaks are not his own, but the words of the Father. It's not like Jesus is some ventriloquist dummy. What's that? Ventriloquist dummy. Um, it's just that Jesus and the Father are so tightly connected that what the Father wills is what Jesus wills. And what the Father wants to say is what Jesus says, because what the Father has in mind is what Jesus has in mind, because you can't separate them. And Jesus says in verse 11, just, just take my word for it. I am God. I am the Father. We're like closer than this. And that's a big ask, so, so at least just look at what I've done and there's a bit of proof for you there. But That's, that's the third option. Jesus said He was God. But you know what? I, I think if we're going to, to come up with an answer for how do we know that Jesus is God, we, we have to add something onto what Jesus said. Because Jesus could have been, I don't, he could have been a fruitcake. I don't think he was. 
He could have been a deluded person who said, I am God. You go to any psychiatric hospital and you will find people saying, I am God. Jesus saying, I'm God, doesn't prove that He is God, but there is something which does prove that He is God, and that is the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And we'll spend a week sometime talking about how we can know that the resurrection actually happened. Um, but the resurrection, it, it's just without it, everything fails. 1 Corinthians 15, if Jesus Christ has not been raised from the dead, then we are to be pitied more than any other man or woman. Romans 1.4 says that Jesus was shown to be the Son of God when He was raised from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit. He is Christ our Lord. John chapter 14 verse um, 20 says that on that day when I am risen from the dead, because I live, you also will live. And on that day you will realize that I am in the Father and that you are in me and that I am in you. You see what he says there? He says, I'm telling you all of this stuff, but I know that you're not going to get it. And you're only going to realize, it's only going to click, it's only going to... Turn that light bulb on, actually more like a flame on your head, but anyway, there's going to be a light happening because you will realize on that day that I am God. You see, it's not just about Jesus claiming to be God, it's about Jesus claiming to be God and God coming and by raising Him from the dead saying, Yes, He is God. Yes, this is my Son whom I love, with Him I am well pleased and I'll prove it to you because even death will not hold him down. You see, if somebody comes to you and says, why do you believe that Jesus is God? Then the only answer I believe that we can give is A, Jesus said he was, and B, God proved it by raising him from the dead. See, God had to prove that Jesus was God. And he did. And he did. If our faith doesn't rest on the foundation of God's historical act of raising Jesus from the dead, if our faith doesn't lie on the truth of this actual, historical, real event of Jesus being resurrected, then I'm sorry, but we cannot dare say that we believe God is, Jesus is God. But he is. And because of that, we can look and say, he is sinless because he is God. And we can look at the cross and say, that is so meaningful because he is God. And we can look at our church today and we can say we are a church because he is God. And we can have the spirit and that inner small voice and we can say, that's the Spirit of God because Jesus promised He would send it and I know it happened because He is God. Faith begins with recognizing the history of Jesus. This leads to us agreeing that it actually happened. And this must for faith to come to fruition must translate into trust. He said it. I agree. 
and I'm going to follow him for the rest of my life and then some.